0: Hello and a happy new year. Welcome to our first broadcast for 2014 here on Search for Truth. I'm delighted you've joined us. A thank you and a warm welcome. Brian, our Bible teacher, has a new series of talks for us over the next six weeks. It's about the present and unique relationship the Lord Jesus Christ has with his Christian disciples in the world today. The series is called Jesus as Son over God's House. I hope you'll be able to join with us as we follow this study. There's a transcript booklet to go with the series, and I'll tell you how to get it towards the end of this broadcast. If you have any comments or questions for Brian, I'll be giving you contact details too.
1: But now, here's Brian with the introductory talk of the series. Thanks, John. Period or costume dramas make for popular television in countries like the United Kingdom. There's a fascination with a time before society came to know the meaning of equal opportunity for all. These shows transport viewers back to a time before the phenomenon which is often elsewhere referred to as the American Dream. The idea behind the so-called American Dream is that anyone, regardless of their birth status, can run for the highest offices in the land. But there was a time in the Western world when the landscape was dominated by great estates and large houses where those who belonged there lived upstairs while the hired staff very definitely lived downstairs and were not upwardly mobile. In a setting like that, the respective roles of a servant and of a son in such a house were worlds apart. I've read of one Bible teacher recalling how in his high school days in Montana he once made a visit to a large cattle ranch on the Missouri River. He was visiting as a friend of one of the cowboy employees. He slept in the bunkhouse with the rest of the paid workers and had no access to the main quarters. He did ride a couple of rather scruffy horses, but was mostly involved in helping his cowboy employee friend do certain assigned chores. Then sometime later, he again visited the same ranch, but this time as a friend of the ranch owner's son. What a difference! Now he had the run of the big house... He ate in the main dining room and he rode the best horses on the ranch and could go anywhere at any time. He said it made him aware of the huge difference between a son and a servant. In the letter to the Hebrews, the author wants to talk about this same difference to his readers. But let's be clear about this. He's talking about the house that's God's house. And in that connection, he describes Moses as a servant while Jesus is the son over this house of God. And his obvious teaching point is that our relationship is not with Moses the servant, but with Jesus, the son of God, who is over God's house. And because Jesus is the son over God's house, as opposed to being a servant in it, then it means that the very greatest privileges are open to us as a result certainly far surpassing anything the law of Moses once offered past generations of God's people. We'd discover, if we were to study all of this letter, that among all the opportunities now open to us as we pursue authentic Christian service today is the opportunity to be found engaging with not just the copies of things in heaven as Moses did, but with their actual heavenly counterparts. Little wonder the author time and again contrasts the past era of the law and its mere shadows with the present era of truly substantial spiritual experiences now on offer through Christ and his cross. What the author begins by calling the last days is in fact clearly stated to be the whole time since God visited us in the person of Jesus Christ. And these last days in which we are so privileged to live, these last days are said by the author, in effect, to be the good times. At least, he talks of the promised good things which have now come to us in these present times through Christ and all that he achieved at the cross. Now, that's really interesting. The point of this letter, the letter to the Hebrews, is to tell first-century believers that they've never had it so good. The clear message was that none of them should even be considering turning the clock back and wanting to return to the good old days of Judaism. But were the good old days really that good? You know, even today, and in society generally, people tend to look back and nostalgically wish for a return to the good old days. But were they really so good? It's obviously tempting to think things must have been better in the past, for our present era is full of worries about economic recession, unemployment, terrorism, drug abuse, global warming, and large national debts. In our memories, the good old days seem to have been so much better. The harsh fact is, however, that what we now consider as the good old days had their own hazards and uncertainties. Back then, In the West, we were embroiled in World War II, which, according to Wikipedia at least, killed 73 million people. And we were worrying about whether the United States and the Soviet Union were going to start a nuclear war, and so end civilization as we knew it. Or at very least, we were terrified of communism taking over the world. Yes, the good old days were filled with threats and insecurities just like today. In reality, they exist only in our very selective memories. In making the opposite claim, that his readers then, and we now, have never had it so good, the author of the Hebrews letter in our Bible is not relying on any such spurious reasoning. For the grand theme of so much of the letter is that Jesus is better. The word better, in fact, is one of the really significant words in the letter to the Hebrews which shows that Jesus is better than the prophets, better than the priests, the kings and angels, even in terms of the comparisons which are found in chapter 1 alone. Jesus, the one who's presented as being better, is described as being the son over God's house in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 6. And up until that point, he's presented to us in at least five ways which relate to that position which he holds over God's house. And which we'll be studying in the next five programmes, God willing. As we reflect on each of these five presentations of Christ, our aim will be to see him in a rounded way as the son with authority over God's house. But before we go further, it would seem appropriate to ask, what exactly is God's house? As we say, the writer tells the Hebrew Christians, for whom the letter we have in our Bibles was originally intended, that they are God's house. In fact, linking himself with them, he says, whose house we are. And then he adds the condition, if we hold fast. That's chapter 3, verse 6. Now, that's the point I want you to especially notice with me. There's a condition here. This condition is something he's going to say a lot about in the rest of the letter. For the writer goes on to talk about the danger of falling away famously in, for example, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 6. Now, in that verse, he's very careful to describe them in at least five ways, each of which convincingly proves that they had truly known the new birth. That is, those to whom the author was writing this letter, they had truly known the new birth. So now, let me say this very carefully. If God's house is identified as being everyone who's known salvation through faith in Christ, then this falling away by true believers would seem to be a falling away from salvation. But the Bible does not teach that once saved, we can be lost again. From many different points of view, the Bible very definitely maintains the line of teaching that says, once saved, always saved. Therefore, God's house, which Hebrews teaches is conditional, is conditional cannot be identified with the vast company of all those who've ever known salvation by God's grace through personal faith in Jesus Christ. And it is in fact to be distinguished also even from all currently living believers, once again because of that stated condition in chapter 3 verse 6. All of this shows us that the defining issue for a place in God's house is not the possession of salvation, For although Hebrews tells us that we can fall away from God's house, yet we can never be dispossessed of our salvation. There's no need whatsoever for us to hold fast to our salvation, for the Lord Jesus himself holds us fast and assures us none can snatch us away from him. But regarding what's called God's house, we evidently do need to hold fast, just as they did to whom the author of Hebrews wrote some 2,000 years ago. All those who've ever at some point come to saving faith in Christ by this point in history include myriads of by now dead believers. But God's house at any time doesn't even include all true believers alive at that moment, for there's the condition applied if we hold fast. The Hebrews letter was written, as its name implies, to early Jewish Christians. And the very first Christians were, of course, Jews. They'd left behind the ceremonial law of Moses to embrace Jesus as the Messiah and to follow the teaching of his apostles. By following the apostles' teaching, they found themselves in the New Testament churches of God. The book of the Acts of the Apostles documents exactly how this came about. The existence of these churches spread outwards from Jerusalem particularly as a result of the various missionary journeys of the apostle paul they were all these churches were all united in belief and practice as a model community but just as in some parts of the world today they were a persecuted community and some of them by the time that the letter to the hebrews came to be written had come to feel life would be easier outside of this messianic community life would be simpler again if they were just going along with the law of Moses like the majority of folks around them, at least in Israel. To people just like that, to those who were wavering on the brink of leaving the community of churches of God, the writer of the Hebrews letter makes his appeal by the Spirit of God and he says, don't go back, don't fall away, to quit their association with the practising Christian community would not mean the loss of their salvation, but, and this is the main point of the entire letter, they would miss out on everything that was special in serving God together in the biblical community of churches of God, the very things the Old Testament had been anticipating. It would be a falling away in terms of their service and from the privileges and responsibilities which attended it. In short, they'd lose their place in God's house. They wouldn't lose their salvation, remember, but they'd lose their place in God's house, which was that clearly defined community of believers described in the pages of the New Testament where God lived by his spirit in a way that answered exactly to earlier eras when the place where God lived on earth, his house, was known as Moses' tabernacle or Solomon's temple believers who come short of arriving at or maintaining a place in God's house on earth must inevitably miss out on a joyful awareness of relating to our Lord specifically in his capacity as son over God's house. This is the view of the Lord which we hope to explore together in this series in God's will. I do hope you'll join me.
0: I hope you enjoyed Brian's talk today. If you have any comments or questions for Brian, he would be pleased to help you. I'll give you contact details for this and to send for the transcript booklets which goes with this series. Please ask for the title, Jesus as Son over God's House. But first, here's our postal address. Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, LE5, 6LN, United Kingdom. And now, here's our email address, sft.churchesofgod.info. You can also download audio versions of some past programmes on your computer. Go to www.searchfortruth.org.uk. This is our church website, where you can also access additional helpful material. So thank you for being with us today. I hope you enjoyed today's talk. And please join us next week if you can. But till then, it's very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, a studio technician David, our singers and me, John. So goodbye and may God richly bless you.